Hi everyone, and welcome to Happy Paws, presented by FearFreeHappyHomes.com. Happy Paws is a podcast by pet lovers, for pet lovers. We take a scientific and evidence-backed approach to helping you understand your pet on a deeper level. On this episode, we're joined by Doug Keeling, owner and founder of the award-winning Bad to the Bone Pet Care. We talk about how Fear Free has changed pet sitting, how you can find the best sitting fit for your pet, and a few secrets of the trade. I'm thrilled to have my good friend Doug here today. He's a world-class pet sitter. He has a whole team of expert pet sitters that work with him. They all are fear-free certified, and he is just really the person to know in the pet sitting world. I met him at a pet sitter world conference and heard his talk. I was really inspired and just really enjoyed our conversations on the side. And with that said, I can't wait to be able to introduce you to Doug today and to have him share some of those little insider tips and tricks on how to create a more fear-free pet sitting experience. So with that said, it's so good to have you here today, Doug. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've really been looking forward to talking to you and it was just so awesome to meet you there in Cleveland. You know, you're, you're truly an inspiration to so many of us in the pet world. So this is a, this is a true honor for me. Oh, thank you so much, Doug. You make me feel good. <laughs> so, so I would, lo- I would love to hear. How did you get into pet sitting and dog walking and and your profession in the first place? Yeah, you know, I just kind of fell into it naturally about nine years ago. Um, I I always had dogs growing up. I was always around animals, and uh, my best friend was a Jack Russell named Skip. And I moved away from home for college and I had to leave Skip uh, back with my parents. And so I I was going to school full time at the University of North Florida and I was working at Target and I was coming home and just missing my buddy. You know, I I needed to be around animals. I could really feel the void not having Skip there with me. And um, uh, I, I didn't like my job, and uh, I, w- I was talking with friends and started doing some research online about what I could do to make a little bit of extra side money and, and be around animals. And uh, I-, I found a post online of this guy doing pet sitting and dog walking, and this was before, you know, this was nine years ago, so it was before Rover was big and, you know, b- before a lot of people were talking about it, and uh I, I immediately got on Microsoft Word and typed up, Doug the dog guy, give me 20 bucks. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I just want to be around animals. And uh, within six months, I was able to quit my other job and was paying all my bills, just pet sitting and dog walking. And then uh, my roster was full by month 10 and I made my first hire at month 11. And now fast forward nine years later, I've got an award-winning team of uh, 30 pet professionals servicing all of Northeast and Central Florida. Uh, I, I tell everyone it's, wow. uh, it's a dream come true for a dream that I didn't even know that I had. <laughs> God, that's, that's incredible. Well, you, you have this enthusiasm. And the other thing that I love about you is how you really have this the system approach. And I loved hearing your talk on how you really... Uh, you, you put everything in like different systems. So you have a different way that you do things. So whether it's, it's like these protocols basically that you have, can you explain what that is and like how that applies to when you do have a big pet sitting team? 
Yeah, you know, um, when I first started hiring, um, I noticed that different people do things different ways. And, and sometimes that's okay. And sometimes that's not when you're trying to build a business. And uh, I knew at the end of the day, I just wanted all of the pets in our care to be getting the same quality of service that I would be giving them myself. So I started just looking at every aspect of our business and really writing down um, exactly how I wanted it to operate. And I started doing that with our general services. And then I started doing it with administrative tasks and uh, so on. And, you know, now I have every aspect of my business. I can hand someone a manual. And even if they've never uh, done a pet sitting visit before, they've never done a dog walk before, they could run my entire business with this step by step manual. Wow. So, so does that apply to like your interactions with pets as well? Like how to get a harness on or how to leash up the pet, how to exit the home, like things like that? Oh yeah. We get very uh, detailed and granular with it. You know, we start broad with the basics and then we work down into those uh, details. And, and I mean, you know, that uh, those details are what makes the world of difference when we're interacting with, with these babies and, and in their homes. Yeah. And as you said, I mean, you, you only have so much time, you only have so much ability to see so many pets. So that's really incredible to be able to have just such a standard protocol and a standard for what people can expect for their pets, which is so important, especially like you said, it's like your babies and you want to make sure that they are being left in the best of care and that they feel comfortable. So what are some ways that fear free is integrated into your pet sitting stays and into your dog walking? Oh, wow. Uh, um, just coming into the fear-free world a couple of years ago made uh, such a difference just with my own interactions with, with the pets in our care. And, and I really see that it's just making a, a positive impact in our entire community. I was One thing that we do uh, when we go in to meet a new client is we educate the clients on what it means to be fear-free and why it's important for them and, and how we can work together uh, to, to make sure we're all on the same page. And, you know, sometimes it's really simple things and sometimes we have to really uh, work together and do some problem solving and everything. But um, man, uh, we, we integrate it uh, from, from, from every front. We try to, you know, whether it's um, just how we introduce ourselves to pets, how we enter the home, you know, um, not looking directly at them, letting them approach you and, and come from the side and using high value rewards and, and uh, uh, things like uh, Adaptal and, and pheromone sprays and lavender. And there's all of these different things that we're constantly uh, just trying to uh, see what the biggest impact is going to be. Because at the end of the day, you know, as pet setters and dog walkers, our main goal is to keep these pets happy and healthy and, and to keep their routine the same and, and to really become a part of the family. You know, we, we love what we do and we want them to love us back. So it's just all about forming that relationship on, on a basis of respect from, from the front. Absolutely. I, I like how you talk about routines. Can you explain a little bit more why that's so important to keep those routines for pets? Oh, yeah. You know, um, uh, we as people are very routine oriented and so are our pets. And when you uh, start 
feeding them in different locations or, you know, at different times or messing up any of their normal daily routine that they're used to, that can cause a lot of anxiety in them. And they, they don't understand what is going on. So we go uh, really in detail with the with the pets owners, you know, in our meet and greets and through our uh, onboarding process to make sure that we really understand exactly how the owners are doing everything. And sometimes owners will, will say, oh, you know, you don't have to do that. And we say, oh, but we want to, we want to, because if we don't do that one little thing, whether it's putting the food in the microwave for five seconds, or um, I was just taking care of a dog last week that um, he liked you to be in the room while he was eating, but he did not like you to look at him while he was eating. And that's just such a small detail of his normal daily routine that a lot of people might overlook. But to that to that pup, you know, it made the biggest difference. And it, it really helped just form that relationship and, and that that bond and that level of trust between between me and me and him. So yeah, we 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 go really in detail uh, with our clients to make sure that we're we're doing things exactly the way that they would do them themselves. I love that. So, so how do you establish a relationship from the start? Like what are some ways that you establish a fear-free meet and greet and how do you reduce stress when you are making that transition? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that go into it for us. We always start with uh, getting as much information as we can before we even go to their home. Um, we really want to know, you know, what are the pet's favorite things? What do, what do they like? What do they don't like? Do they have any allergies? You know, are they accustomed to having new people in and out of the home? Uh, what, what is their experience level with that? Um, as much information as we can possibly get beforehand that we, that way we know, uh, what we're walking into and, and what kind of, uh, treats that we might bring with us or, um, uh, all kinds of, of specific details like that. And then, you know, coming over for that meet and greet before we actually start the services to really get to know them and spend time with the pets while their owners are there. That way we're not just some random stranger showing up uh, that they, they've seen us interact with their, their parents that they're used to being around. And we can see how they interact together, see how they do play time, see how see how the owner actually puts on their harness and see how the owner does all of these things. That way we can really mimic those, those activities and those behaviors. And, and like I was saying earlier, you know, when we're doing that initial introduction, you know, I, I always tell my team, you know, don't make eye contact, let them approach you. You don't approach them, let them approach from the side. Um, and I always encourage my team to take, uh, treats and other rewards with them. But of course, we ask ahead of time to make sure that the pets don't have any allergies or uh, any dietary restrictions, anything like that. But, you know, it, the, the, it's all in the details. So where do you keep your details? Do you have a way to record something for each pet so you don't have to do it over each time that you watch them? Or, or what, what do you do exactly? Yeah. So uh, when you sign up with us, you get an account on our mobile app. And we do everything through this app. You can, uh, as, as the pet owner, you know, you can put all of your instructions and details and your vet records and all of this good stuff on there. And then um, 
you, uh, we, we have our team do instant messaging with our clients there on the app. And that way, you know, if, if we are splitting uh, a stay between two pet sitters, we're all on the same page. We can all see the exact same messages and know that, okay, Fluffy didn't really like this. So we need to change course on this and find a different way. And we're, we're all constantly in communication with, with each other that way. That's really smart. So, so just, I want to go a little bit in the weeds here because I know that this is a big deal for people that have a pet that has separation anxiety, for instance, or say that they do have anxiety and, and little things can throw them off. Like maybe they aren't taking their medication as easily as they might, or even something like putting on a harness. Like maybe I think that's so smart that you watch how the, the pet guardian puts on the harness. So that way you can try and mimic it the same way. If a pet is starting to show signs of stress in that situation. So say it's like putting on their harness or they're not wanting to take their medication or you notice that when you come over that maybe they have some, they've been tearing up things or something like that and showing some signs of stress. Like how, how do you deal with that? What, what's kind of your go-to response? I mean, it's first thing is just pause Take some time. You know, we're not in a rush with this kind of stuff. And we have to remember that, you know, as pet sitters and dog walkers, we are a guest in their home and they are allowing us to be there in their safe space. You know, we, we are an intruder in their safe space. So we have to follow their lead and take as much time and patience as, as we need to make sure that they are really comfortable um, that, that is so important. You know, I, I, I think a lot of people say, you know, oh, the client booked me for 30 minutes, you know, and I have to get in and get out and do all this stuff in 30 minutes. And with my, me and my team with practicing fear free, you know, it's, we don't, we don't care if you booked us for 30 minutes, we'll be there for two hours if we have to, if that's what it's going to take to, uh, get, get the pet comfortable with us. And, you know, sometimes it's just sitting there and, and spending time with them and that that the time alone can help. And, you know, sweet talking them and knowing what their favorite treats are. And I love that. Gosh, Doug, it yeah, warms my heart. So I know that you talked a little bit about like cats before and establishing a relationship with different pets. Like so when you think of the cats that maybe they are really comfortable with their guardians, but they don't have a lot of friends outside of mom and dad. Like how do you form a relationship with cats that are a little bit more timid or slower to warm up? Yeah. I mean, it really starts with doing those meet and greets and especially with cats, sometimes we'll have to do several meet and greets and it's, it's, we form the relationship well in advance of when the pet uh, guardian may, may be going out of town. Uh, so we may come over, you know, a couple times a week for a few weeks leading up to their vacation to make sure that they recognize our smell, recognize our voice. They've seen us with their uh, with their parents and, you know, and really seeing, you know, where does their parent scratch them? Where does their parent um, go to look for for them? You know, where where is their favorite hiding spot? And and. Um, all of those kinds of things, you know, the it's it's all in those details. Um, I'm I'm actually staying with two cats right now, and <laughs> they're just the best. They're they're so friendly. They they love me, and but I had to come over for a couple meet and greets uh, 
ahead of time to make sure that uh, they they recognized me and they really knew me. And I, I really went into detail of like, okay, you know, if, if Toby is feeling a little anxious, where might he go hide? And, you know, what, what is his favorite treat? And, you know, when I started this day, even after I had done a couple meet and greets, you know, he still was a, a little bit timid at first. So I just sat on the floor and I let him approach me after a little while and I sweet talked him and his owner had told me in one of our meet and greets that um, he doesn't actually really like to eat the treats, but he loves the sound, like the crinkle of the treat bag. So <laughs> I brought a treat bag with me that made that that crinkle and uh, just because I knew that he would like that sound, you know? <laughs> I love that. God, that's, that's incredible. So, so what do you do for, say, say that we have a Toby that is, you know, we have Toby and Sassy and they are the type of cats where people come over. Most of the time people don't even realize that there's a cat there. They may just see a litter box in. Otherwise you don't see the cat. So as a pet sitter, you're coming in and these cats typically will say that they run to the back bedroom and they hide under the bed. Like, and as a, a pet guardian, not knowing what to do, they may feel pressure like, okay, I got to bring the cat up. got to pull the cat up from under the bed to have them meet you. Why would that not be a good idea? And why is it so important to take that time? And as you said, do those multiple visits? Yeah, I mean, I see that a lot where we'll go over to meet a new, a new kitty friend and the cat will go hide and, and that will stress the owner out. And so for me as the pet sitter, I'm kind of, um, I'm, I'm watching for signs of FAS within the, the, the kitty and within the owner. And I'm trying to calm them both down and remind them that we're not in a rush here. We can take as long as we need to. And I can come back over multiple times if I need to. But if you go in there and you start trying to drag the cat out from its safe space, you know, that's only going to make him more anxious. And that's the last thing that we want. You know, we, we really want to keep an eye out for the, th the threshold uh, for that and those for those signs of FAS. And, um, you know, and a lot of the time it, with with being a pet sitter and a dog walker, I spend a lot of effort and energy just really educating the pet parents on this. You know, is I see them get really stressed out and, you know, they they want to go pull, pull the cat out and, and, and force these interactions. And I have to tell them we're not forcing anything. That's, that's not what we're going to do here. You know, we're here for love. We're here for compassion. We're going to take our time and make sure that we really form this relationship uh, with a basis of respect uh, off the bat. That's so key too, because as you said, you know, every single interaction is really that learning experience. And if the cat learns, Hey, this is a person I can trust. Like there's not so much pressure. I can come out at my own pace, man. That's just such a relief versus like things are forced, things are rushed. And ultimately you end up saving time and you end up saving money in the end when it's not a forced interaction and you can actually help the pet more and provide better quality care. So I, I think that that's so important there. So if you do have a cat that is hiding under the bed, I, I know you mentioned a little bit like spending some time there. What are some ways that, that you encourage them to come out um, over time? So whether this is the first visit or over multiple visits, like what are some things that you do with your own body language? I loved your idea with like the, the bag that crinkles. So finding things that work for that cat, like what are some tips there if someone does have a cat that is more of a hider and they are going to have someone coming over? 
Yeah, you know, I it's it starts even before I go to the visit. You know, if I've uh, been doing a lot of dog walks and I might smell like dog, I usually do smell like dog. So I it may mean that I change my clothes and wash my hands before going over there because they they may not like that scent on me. You know, um, thinking about the the different sprays and things that you can wear. Um, and then making sure that you enter the home, you know, you're not, you're not throwing the door open and just shouting and screaming and, you know, where are you? Where are you? You know, you enter in a very calm, gentle way and, and let them know that you're there, but you may at first walk in and out of the room a few times, you know, you don't want them to feel trapped, you know, don't, don't just lay there and make them feel trapped under the bed, you know, let them know that you're there. Mm -hmm. They can come find you when they are ready. And then again, just talking to their owner about those things that they like, you know, some, some cats, uh, love, love the wet food. And as soon as they hear the top of that can lid, they come running, or sometimes it's the crinkle <laughs> of the bag, you know, every cat is a little bit different. And it's just, uh, reminding ourselves that, you know, the, these guys have true personalities and they have uh, needs and wants and desires, just like we do as people. And, uh, you know, not, not every, uh, situation is going to be the same. You have to really be kind of intuitive and just pay attention to, to what that cat is really telling you, you know, watch their body language, watch their eyes, watch all of those kinds of things. You know, the, the, are they meowing? What kind of, of sound are they making? You know, paying attention to all those kind of details and, and following their lead. Wow. I, I love that. that. That part of body language is so important. And we've talked a lot about different signs of FAS, which is fear, anxiety, and stress in dogs and in cats. Like what are some ways that you work with your team to recognize those signs of, of fear, anxiety, and stress in both the pets as well as in the people? I think that part in the people is so often overlooked and missed. And you are so right. If the person isn't comfortable and isn't relaxed, it's really going to negatively impact their pet. So how, like, how do you teach your team and how do you go about that yourself? Oh, we spend a lot of time on this before, before my team starts going into clients' homes. You know, we spend several hours talking about uh, all of the different signs of, of FAS, you know, and I have diagrams that I show them of, of some of the basic body language uh, to look for. Uh, we start there and then that, that's on the animal side and on the human side, you know, I really get them to think about what it's like to, you know, imagine that you are the one leaving on, on this vacation and it's your baby being taken care of, you know, how would you feel? What would be going through your mind? And what would you want someone to say to you to make you feel the most comfortable? Um, and there's a lot that goes into that. I think uh, for, for me, uh, it's much easier for me to deal with the, the fur babies than it is the, the human clients. <laughs> I Yes, I think that's so typical. I think for for everybody, but especially as pet professionals, it's always so much easier to work with the pets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, so we start with looking at some diagrams of different body language and then we go into some different videos that I have um showing some different interactions uh with different levels of FAS and how we have addressed addressed them over the years. And then um 
we work with a couple different dog trainers, one of which is Fear Free. She's the one that actually introduced me to the Fear Free world a couple years ago. And, and man, she's been a game changer for, for my business. And we, um, she, she will meet with my newer team members and she actually walks them through from a dog trainer's uh, perspective with the fear-free protocols and everything in mind, you know, what she sees and how she addresses things. And that's where things really start becoming concrete for, for us as pet sitters and dog walkers. Wow. So, so can you explain a, a little bit more about that? So as a trainer, what, like what things does she do? And then how do you as a pet sitter or a dog walker, how do you work with her on that? Oh man, she gets, uh, she gets very detailed with it. You know, it's kind of like a, a quick run through of the actual uh, fear-free course. You know, it's, it's, it's similar to that in, in real life. And uh, she has some, um, uh, stuffed uh, dogs and cats that she will show us a lot of things on that. And then she has some some videos that she's made herself with, with her clients that we go over things. And she really explains, you know, um, what what FAS is and how to look for those signs and some of just the, the key main things that we uh, may, may encounter uh, as pet sitters and dog walkers. And, um, you know, she, she contacted me several years ago. I mean, I had only been in business a couple of years and, you know, growing up, you know, we always were very positive reinforcement based with, with our own dogs. And that's something that I always very much believed in. And, um, uh, even when I started taking management classes in college, you know, I started kind of thinking, you know, how can I apply these positive reinforcement dog training methods that I've learned to actually managing people in these business classes. And it, it all kind of started to click and become one for me. And when I started marketing my business, I really put a lot of emphasis on the fact that I believed in positive reinforcement in every aspect of my life. And uh, th this dog trainer, she saw that and she really liked it. And she uh, was doing the, this fear-free training with these dog clients. And then they were going and using pet sitters and dog walkers that just had no idea of the actual uh, protocols that she was enforcing, which really created kind of a, a confusing environment for the pets and, and for their owners. And uh, it just really was not conducive to uh, upholding what she was teaching and really creating the best experience for the pets. So uh, she contacted me and said, you know, Doug, I, I see your your positive reinforcement stuff. I'm fear free. What if we meet and I will tell you about what I do and see if it's something that you're interested in. And then maybe I can start meeting with your team. That way I know as a dog trainer that I am sending my clients to dog walkers and pet sitters that really understand the importance of this kind of stuff, because that's what's really going to be uh, creating the most cohesive uh, relationship and environment in, in the long run. And so, I mean, I was hooked immediately. We met for coffee and I was hooked. I mean, uh, she, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for her for, for reaching out to me and, and willing to, uh, put so much of her own time and effort and energy into making sure that 
um, if, at the end of the day, she, she just wants what's best for these babies that we're taking care of, you know, and, and that says everything that she was willing to come meet with some random pet sitters and dog walkers and, and show us the importance of this stuff. So as a trainer, I definitely can relate to that importance of really helping the pet feel safe in all areas of their life and have that positive predictability. And as you said, it's if they go to a pet sitter who doesn't employ the same methods or has a different way of interacting with the dog or even walking the dog or or interacting with the cat, like it can really throw them off and, and actually create some damage. So what are some ways that you help to... so? Uh, beyond the the typical things with like the uh, employing fear free and being able to have calmer interactions, like say that she's working with a dog that has uh, separation anxiety or they have reactivity where they bark and lunge at dogs on walks, and she's been working with them. What are some ways that you help to uphold and keep up any of the training that she has done? Yeah, so she's taught us a lot of the basics, and then what we will do is if she is working with a client and and she sees that they have some unique um, behaviors and some unique triggers, what we will do is we will actually schedule a time for us to go over there with her. That way we can actually all truly be on the same page. You know, it's, it's uh, us as the pet sitter or dog walker, her as the dog trainer and the pet parent all together. We're all having the same conversation to make sure that we really are doing the exact same things and we understand why these things are being done. And, you know, and, and uh, there's a lot of dog behavior that is um, the same, but then there's dogs have some unique ways of telling us some things and, and dogs are not always going to communicate all the exact same way. So just making sure that we know exactly how this one specific dog or this one specific cat is communicating with us. That is very crucial. And, and that's something that she is very good at. And that, that's one of the reasons that I'm such a proponent of, you know, if you're a pet sitter or a dog walker, go to the sessions with the dog trainer and make sure that you fully understand this one specific dog. Just because you've dealt with one dog with separation anxiety, that doesn't mean that you have seen it all. <laughs> so can you explain a little bit more on, so you go into a session, like how, how is that on the pet guardian's end? Did they immediately kind of jump on board? Is it something, cause this is so, I mean, it's so needed, so necessary to really have everyone on the same page, but typically every pet professional in the past has been so separate. We take the pet to the vet. We then take the pet to the groomer. We have our pets that are, maybe we take them to doggy daycare. And I love that pet professionals are working together to really be on the same page and to be able to protect that pet's emotional health and protect their behavioral well-being. But like, I know it's a newer concept. So is that something that pet guardians buy into right away? Or what do you do if you have someone that doesn't quite understand or maybe is a little bit reluctant to do that? Most pet parents are honestly blown away um, and so on board. When I, when I propose this idea to them, they say, wow, I've never even thought of that. That would be amazing. Please come over. You know, it, I, it, it's very rare that I have to really sell it. It, the, really, the issue is that a lot of people just aren't aware that you can do things like that. A lot of people think that 
you know, we might view each other as competition or they just haven't really put any thought into it at all of why it is so important. But as soon as you start to talk about, you know, building truly the best experience for the pets in our care and truly, um, you know, building that a long-term lasting relationship that's going to be beneficial for everyone and to start talking about their comfort level and all of that kind of stuff. You, I mean, you can just see clients light up and you can see them and feel them start to relax as you start to talk about it. And, and by the end of the conversation, they're just sitting there like, wow, these guys get it. They understand. <laughs> Yeah, God, that's just a whole new level of, of professionalism. And just as you said, that that respect, that trust, gosh, that just like, as you're talking, I'm like, wow, God, that's just like such a relief to, to have that feeling, it, you know, from the pet guardian's perspective to know that you have someone that is so invested in your pet and really does care about their their emotional well-being. So what are some ways that you encourage pet guardians to help reduce stress for their pet even before you arrive as the pet sitter or the, the dog walker? Yeah, so we start with those meet and greets and we, we uh, talk about all of their things that they like and the things that they don't like. You know, a lot of, and every dog's going to be a little bit different, but we, we make notes of all of this kind of stuff. You know, they don't like the sound of tin foil. So we're not going to use, if we're cooking there, staying overnight, we're not going to use any aluminum foil if they don't like the sound of that. You know, all of just these minute details that may be overlooked, you know, it, it may, the, the pet parent may not even think of these kinds of things, but they know. Once they sit down and start to think about, you know, what does my pet really like? What, what are their triggers? And making sure that we're fully aware of those. We have it in writing and we, we go over these notes ahead of time. We do as many meet and greets as possible. And then we, uh, we always make sure that we enter the home, you know, in a very calm, peaceful way. Again, you know, if we're, if we're working with cats and we've been doing dog walks, we may have to change our clothes ahead of time. All thinking ahead on all of those kinds of things and just making sure that uh, we really are giving the pets the best experience possible. And, um, you know, some, sometimes we may go a, a little bit farther and, and say that, uh, you know, maybe a baby gate so that we can keep them back from the door a little bit and then we can come in and we can sit down and we can kind of talk to them through the baby gate and everything before we have really fully entered their uh, their safe space, you know, and then again, making sure that we allow them to approach us instead of us approaching them and, you know, not facing straight towards them, facing to the side, all of these little things that we know as pet professionals, but it's just being hyper vigilant of it and being super aware of it. And, and there, there's really no room for error in, in my mind, it, it, on, in my mind, there's no room for error on any of this kind of stuff, because we have to build that trust and that bond and any little thing can, can unravel that progress that we've made. So when you, I love, I love, gosh, I just love your perspective and I love that dedication. What, what do you do? So say the pet parent, they are off on a cruise and uh, the pet is showing some signs of stress. Like, how do you deal with that? 
Well, it would depend on uh, what kind of stress they're showing and, and how they're showing it, when they're showing it. You know, there's a lot of different things that go into that. Every situation is going to be a little bit different. But with that in mind, you know, it's just always so important to be watching for the, the signs of FAS and to just take your time and be gentle and go slow. And yeah, you may only be booked for 30 minutes, but if the pet needs two hours, like we're going to be there for two hours and we're just going to do what, what it takes. Um, and some, sometimes, you know, we may have missed a, a, a small particular detail throughout the communication prior. And so it's always good to know uh, that you have communication with the client while they are away and you can call them and, and explain, you know, hey, you know, uh, Fluffy is showing uh, these behaviors, you know, ha has she ever shown these behaviors before? What might you suggest, you know, um, just keeping those lines of communication really open and honest and transparent. So when we talk about working with pet professionals, I know that the pet's veterinary team can be really key, especially say that we have a cat that is a diabetic cat, or we have a dog that has some mobility issues. If the pet is starting to show some signs of that fear, anxiety, and stress, or maybe they show signs of being in pain, maybe their, their pain is undermanaged. I know I see that a lot with senior dogs and cats where they, they are in pain. How do you work with the pet's veterinary team and do you ever work with them when the pet guardian isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I have a list of all of the fear-free uh, veterinarians in our area. And those are my top recommended veterinarians. And that's a lot of the time uh, our clients will ask us, you know, who do you suggest for uh, the, these other services, whether it's a vet or a groomer or a trainer, you know, and I'm always looking on the fear-free directory to see who is following these same protocols. Because again, we have to make sure that we're all on the same page and, and being cohesive with all of these things. And then um, if it's a pet that's going to be in our care, you know, long-term uh, recurring, you know, we may go to an actual vet appointment with the owner, the same as we go to a, the training appointment with the trainer. You know, we may actually do that with the veterinarian, again, to make sure that their staff is is following the protocols and that they understand the unique uh, triggers and, and such with, with the pets in our care. And, you know, knock on wood, should the occasion arise where we have to go to the vet while, while the owners are out of town, you know, we always call ahead of time and we, we explain the situation. We, we make sure that they have as much information as possible before we are, arrive. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different uh, vital signs and different things that I can actually test within the comfort of the own home and then relay that information to, to the veterinary team so that they're having to do less poking and prodding and that we can uh, uh, lower the amount of time for the actual visit. And then sometimes, you know, depending on uh, the situation, the vet techs may actually come out to the car and do the appointment, you know, there in the car instead of us having to go inside. Um, it's really just thinking intuitively with this kind of stuff and putting yourself in 
in in the pet's shoes, you know, what what are they really thinking? What are they feeling? What's going to make them the most comfortable? And uh, if you know that they are not comfortable within the, the vet hospital, then try to uh, minimize that as much as possible in any way as possible. And I actually have a couple of uh, vet techs on my team that, you know, they, they do vet tech stuff a few days a week and then they do pet sitting and dog walking a few days a week. So they, um, uh, they keep our team, the rest of our team really up to date on what's going on in the medical world and, and the practices of the clinics that they work in. And again, just forming relationships as pet professionals with other pet professionals uh, for, for the betterment of the clients. So have you ever gone into a home that was using less than ideal methods to train or to contain their pet? And how did you handle that? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, I've over nine years of pet sitting and dog walking. I think I've I've seen just about everything. (laughs) I bet so. I I definitely have some stories. And uh, I think just the most important thing is to remind ourselves that you don't know what you don't know. We all start somewhere and um, we, we cannot go into these homes uh, with a sense of judgment. You know, we are going to lose the client and not make any progress if we go in there thinking that, that oh, they should have known this, they should have known that, you know how bad are they for not doing this? And that would be a major misstep on our part as professionals. And we just have to remind ourselves that we all start somewhere. We all want what is best for our babies in the long run. At the end of the day, we all want what is best. So we all just have to bind together and do what we can to really educate people. You know, sometimes people... They, they may use aversive techniques and, and less than ideal uh, protocols just because that's what their parents did. You know, that's what they saw on TV, you know, and they just they haven't really been exposed to the education and the resources and and the true professionals that are in today's world, you know, and, and just being calm, being gentle, being respectful. I think respect just goes such a long way when we're dealing with the human clients and the pet clients and just doing what we can to educate them. But, you know, with that being said, you know, some people um, won't see the light uh, for whatever reason. And we have to know as as pet sitters and dog walkers, we have to know what our limit is and we have to get comfortable with saying no and saying, you know, no, I am not comfortable doing things that way because through my experience and through my training, I, I just don't think that that is what's going to be best for my relationship with your baby, you know, and, and I just don't think that I'm going to be the right fit for, for you and your family. Um, I love the way that you put that. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's, t- it's taken me a long time to learn how to word that. Um, and it's never an easy conversation. I always, you know, it, it, it's, I always want people to see the light, but they have to come to that in their own time and, and on their own terms. 
I, I like how you talk about like adding in enrichment and just a walk itself doesn't necessarily mean that that's great enrichment for the dog. Like, can you explain a little bit more about like, like that concept of enrichment and how you really do work on building that more into your interactions and into your walks? Oh yeah. I, I have so much fun with my enrichment walks. I mean, <laughs> every dog's a little bit different. And once you start to learn, you know, what dogs really like and, and know their personalities and everything, I can kind of plan ahead for, for my walks with them. And, um, I just did a walk actually right before, uh, our call with a little wiener dog named Teddy. I love Teddy. I've known him for a couple of years and I'm just, uh, I'm so blessed to have him in my life. And, um, we, I, I know that he loves, um, finding treats, you know, and, and he loves, uh, hide and seek and things like that. So, uh, before I went in to walk him, I actually walked our walking path and I, I hid a couple of treats and stuff in, in, in toys in the bushes, um, so that he would have something exciting to go find, you know, and, and, um, you know, some people might think it's silly, but it made Teddy's day and it made my day, you know, and he got just a little bit more enrichment instead of just like a normal walk, you know, and <laughs> just, just paying attention. I to love that. And, and that's so important. Yeah. And having that positive expectation, like, you know, that pets really can become, you know, either pessimistic or optimistic, and we can make such a big difference in helping them to be more optimistic. So like for that pet that does maybe get a little bit stressed out on walks, like where they are a little nervous about seeing people or seeing other dogs, I think that stress can build over time versus like when we can give them that positive expectation that, Hey, really good things happen. And, you know, really be able to use the power of their nose and really have them search like that's, that's incredible. And it, it really helps expend far more energy because you're expending mental energy and, and adding in that emotional well-being during that walk. So it's so much more than just the distance walked. It's really the quality of, of that walk for that pet. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, everything comes back to quality, not, not quantity. And, and with the enrichment walks and things like that, that's, again, why it's so important for us as pet setters and dog walkers to work directly with the uh, trainers, you know, and uh, what, what is the trainer doing? What, what commands are, are you teaching? Because we can go in and we can reinforce those commands uh, during, during our visits. And, and uh, that stuff goes a really long ways for, for the betterment of the pets and, and just the longevity and strength of our relationship. So how can the pet guardian work alongside a pet professional like you to help reduce fear, anxiety, and stress for both themselves and for their pet? Yeah. I mean, um, I, the, the biggest advice that I could have on this is to be open and honest and transparent. All of us, the pet owners, the, the pet trainer, the dog walker, the pet sitter, um, I think sometimes we feel the need to kind of gloss over um, some details or make things sound better than they may actually be. And I think we really need to be fully, truly honest and transparent. And sometimes that may mean having a difficult conversation, but sometimes that is necessary uh, for, for the betterment of, of everyone. And again, circling back to everything that I said earlier with, with the meet and greets and making sure that we really know the pet 
in and out and, um, and just taking our time with everything. You know, we're not, we're not booking one meet and greet the day before your vacation and we're in and out, bing, bang, boom, we're done. You know, we're, we're coming in multiple times. We're truly interacting. We're building and forming a relationship uh, but before you ever leave for that vacation. So another thing I really love about you is just that you are so invested in education and in you have your certifications. Like, how does someone know the difference between a pet sitter that maybe has a little bit less experience or isn't as well equipped to work with a pet in a way that's really going to be protective of their physical and emotional well-being? Like, what what things could people look for in terms of certification, experience, training that that would be helpful in indicating that that person may be a good fit to look into? Yeah. First thing that I recommend to people uh, when you're looking for a pet sitter, a dog walker, a pet trainer, a veterinarian, anyone is to go on the Fear Free website and look through the directory. You know, you can put in your zip code and a radius and what kind of service that you're looking for. And um, you want to make sure that you're using someone that has gone through one of these courses and is has the proper knowledge um thank, thanks to the fear-free courses in that that directory i mean that's that's huge that's huge for one and then and for two you know when you're looking at a professional's website or their social media or you're talking to them on the phone you really want to ask them about uh their beliefs you know because like i said this all comes back down to a relationship you're not just hiring someone to pop in, pop out, throw some food on the floor and leave. You want to know what they truly believe and how they truly think about uh, just their general interactions and pet care in general. And you'll know, once you start getting people to talking, you'll you'll very quickly realize um, who is in it for the right reasons and, and who's not. And then, of, of course, also, you need to check to make sure that they have a business license to make sure that they are fully insured, uh, to make sure that they're bonded and all of these other things that go into the, the puzzle. The, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, and I don't I don't think I don't think most pet guardians would even think about that. So can you explain more? Like, why is it important to have someone that is insured, that is bonded and what is the problem that can happen if someone isn't uh, that way? Oh, wow. <laughs> I could talk all day about that. <laughs> Man. I mean, um, there, there's just no excuse for a pet sitter or a dog walker to not be insured and bonded. And I mean, when we're working with pets and we're in, in clients' homes, you know, anything can happen. And like I said, over the nine years, I have seen it, all kinds of stuff. And uh, you, you just want to make sure that you are protected, that your pets are protected from every angle. And I, I always give the example of, you know, let's say that you're using the middle school kid down the street, you know, and you're having them pop in for pet sitting visits, you know. What happens if, if that kid is walking your dog down the street and, and uh, you know, your dog gets bit by a, a stray dog that's out or, or your dog uh, uh, bites someone? You know, who's responsible for that? Uh, how are you going to handle that? You know, what about those vet bills? What, you know, 
there's so many different things that could go into that. Or, or what if that kid, you know, is there and then you come home and you notice that your favorite piece of jewelry is missing, you know, that's where a bond is so important and, and making sure that they've passed a background check, you know, um, there's just so many things that can happen. And, and if you're going to be a true professional, if you're going to do this the right way and, and make sure that you're really giving your clients what they deserve, then you've got to check all these boxes. I love that, Doug. Any final words of advice? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Words of wisdom from Doug. You have many. (laughs) I don't know about that. I love it. (laughs) I don't know about that. You know, if I, I just really wish that I could encourage everyone, whether, whether you're in the industry or you're a pet parent to pay attention to your pets. What are they really telling you? Um, don't forget the, the value, the importance of, of their wants, their needs, their desires, and how they communicate those to you. Um, pay attention. Just, just pay attention. <laughs> Incredible. So, Doug, how can people find out more about you? Yeah, so I have a YouTube channel uh, where I share my knowledge and experience as a pet professional. It's called Doug the Dog Guy. So look me up on YouTube. I'm also on Instagram as Doug the Dog Guy Official. Or you can shoot me an email at Doug at badtothebonepetcare.com. I always love uh, talking to other pet professionals and, and pet parents, you know, and just any any way that I can help. Uh, people have a better relationship with their pets and and uh, uh, it better our society in, in the process, you know, just feel free to reach out and I'll help any way that I can. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Doug. Hopefully we'll have you back soon again, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a true honor. Thank you for joining us for Happy Paws. We hope you continue tuning in every two weeks as we explore more about your pets. Next time on Happy Paws, we're excited to have Dr. Michael Maria Delgado. We'll be discussing the science behind cats and their behavior, how to better understand them, and how you can give you and your cat the fear-free lives you deserve. Make sure you subscribe to avoid missing out on any upcoming Happy Paws episodes. And if you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you took a minute and left us a review. For more content like this and much more, visit us at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Our music is by 310. That's the number three, the word one, and the word O. Follow them on Instagram at 310official and listen to them on Spotify or wherever else you find your music.